New on Curiosity Stream, how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. New on CuriosityStream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. It is Thursday afternoon, 1 o'clock East Coast time. It is time for the Stochastic.com MMA strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for UFC Vegas 59, which goes down on Saturday night inside the UFC Apex, headlined by a light heavyweight matchup between Jamal Hill and Tiago Santos. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. As always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about some of those props over at Prize Picks throughout the show as I'm looking down here at my sheet, and there are several numbers i've highlighted over price picks that i like as we sit here and do the show here on a thursday pete what's going on brother what's going on what's going on super low level card um not my favorite but uh there are some interesting spots that we can target oh man it's uh i will tell you i just literally just started looking at the salaries yeah yeah no i mean i i mean i i sit there and look at it i mean like I already knew what the betting odds were. So I kind of had an idea of where our salaries are going to be here this week. I mean, like there's some fights that, I mean, I, I, you, you bring up a great point. This is kind of like, I heard Ariel Hawani mention this on a show earlier this week, and he's spot on. Like we have three levels of UFC cards at this point. We have pay-per-view cards, top tier. That, that is the, the premium content. Then we got fight night cards in front of fans where, they got to sell tickets, so they got to put on some high-level fights. And then we have UFC Apex cards. Yeah, and I don't even know if this fits an Apex card. It's it's uh, it's pretty low-level. As I already mentioned, um, some of these Dana White Contender Series cards are a lot better than what we are seeing on, on some of these desperate fight cards. But regardless, we're here. I'm excited to see Jamal Hill. I'm excited to see the co-main event. Um, and then there's a ton of volatile matchups following that. <laughs> what are you talking about? The ultimate fire finale? I'm talking about every saying? other fight. Every other fight besides the main and co-main. I love the co-main event. I think the co-main event's a great matchup uh, there. Uh, Sam, as I've always been, I appreciate you there in the super chat. We'll get to your question here later on in the show. Artie, uh, everything is well for me, man. It's nice and hot outside. I don't know what it's like in Connecticut right now, Pete, but uh, here in Tampa, it is hot as can be. Yeah, it's like 97 today in Connecticut, so it's a we're we're having a very, very hot day. Yeah, it's 97. A, yeah, it's 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 bad. Um, Bro, it's, it's only, only 90, 90 here in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. it's only yeah, 90. I think this week is like one of our our hottest weeks of the past. Like I don't know, it's crazy, but it's also like super humid as well. So um, it's going to be brutal at the gym tonight, and I can't wait. Of course, uh, we're going to break this one down for you. We're going to start right off with the main event. We got Jamal Hill taking on Tiago Santos. So, of course, as we do this show, FanDuel salaries are not out. If they do come out during the show, we'll kind of recap what those are. But $9,000 for Jamal Hill, $7,200 for Tiago Santos. Jamal Hill with a three-inch reach advantage in this one. He's just over a three-to-one betting favorite. Uh, you got Southpaw versus Orthodox, but... Uh, you know, when we talk about Tiago Santos, Pete, to me, you know, he's fought the elite of the elite of this division, has been able to get the wins. You, you know, all starting off with that split decision loss. He had to John Jones, does have a win against Johnny Walker uh, during the span, but the rest of, uh, you know, it has not gone well for him. And what concerns you from a DFS perspective of if you go, you know what, I, w- I want to take some shots on Tiago Santos, which I don't, you know, I, w- I don't mind getting to, but it, to me, it's like, it's almost like a knockout or bust type situation. It's a weird one, man, because you have Tiago Santos, who definitely has the known um, 
the known resume. He's fought tons of comp- legitimate competition. People know who Tiago Santos is, especially because of that John Jones performance. Uh, the guy is super, super tough. In 2022, he's had so many injuries within his knees um, and damage throughout his career as well. But uh, what he is, is he's always live to touch you and knock you out. So I don't want to discredit his ability to, to finish a fight. It's just, I, I feel like this is a perfect changing of the guard type of situation where you have Jamal Hill, um, nice touted prospect, mm-hmm. uh, got into a grappling match uh, against Paul Craig, and uh, that was not uh, the, the correct game plan for him. Um, this is going to be a striking affair. I don't foresee either one of these guys looking for a takedown. And I think that's that the style of this fight plays into the hands of Jamal Hill. Just has to be wise of the kicks, of course. Um, it's all, it, it comes down to, do you think Jamal Hill's legit or not? And on paper, if people see that he lost to Paul Craig, they might be a little hesitant and willing to, mm-hmm. to you know, include Tiago Santos in their plus 240 pool. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, hey, I'll take some shots on Santos. This guy lost to Paul Craig. Um, but Styles make fights. I do think that Jamal Hill is clearly the A side. He throws a ton of volume. Just defensively, he has to be very, very careful because of that one-shot kill power of Tiago Santos, especially with the kicks. But I'm expecting Jamal Hill to roll here. I'm expecting him to back Tiago Santos down against the cage, um, out-volume him en route to a TKO victory. I don't foresee this going uh, five rounds. I mentioned about there are some plays over price picks that I've already highlighted here on my sheet. Uh, And one of those plays is involved in the main event, and that is the significant strikes landed prop over there on Jamal Hill of 30 and a half. Mm-hmm. I love the over in that situation. Like a- as I'm starting to put together some, some cards to play over there at price picks, that is one that I'm targeting. And I'll tell you, like, if you think that Tiago Santos can draw this fight out a little bit, I don't, don't even mind going the over 10 minutes on the fight time. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Um, I will do the, the significant strikes though. Um, it's just a matter of if Tiago Santos wants to stay in there. We have seen him get knocked down at times. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that he has any, some quit in him, but uh, he, he's definitely better as the hammer than he is as the nail. Uh, David Branch knocked him down one time. Jack Marshman knocked him down one time. Gager Musasi, who's phenomenal. But I do think that the, the speed of Jamal Hill, the combinations are going to be too much. So uh, I think that 30, whatever you just said for significant strikes. 30 and a half. Yeah, I, I think it should hit the over, but it all comes down to the durability of Santos. So uh, I'm picking I'm picking Jamal Hill to win in convincing fashion, and I will take a shot on that over. No question about it. Of course, this is the Stochastic.com MMA strategy show. We're getting you ready for Saturday's UFC Vegas 59. Of course, myself and Pete will be back here on Saturday, live before lock, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, uh, be sure you want to show your support for the show. Great way to show your support. Hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Stochastic right here on YouTube if you're not doing that. So you keep up to date with everything that we got have going on over here at stochastic.com of course uh, hit that notification bell so you get that alert for when a show is live here on the channel and this week's free premium tools and data is our DraftKings MLB night owl which will be free for the rest of the MLB season all you gotta do is click the v- link in the video description below to get free access to all of our tools and data for MLB DFS night slates and if you like what you're seeing there you can also find a coupon for one dollar a week of stochastic plus MLB MLB, when you click that link, if you're ready to purchase now, you can use that promo code night out at checkout. This will give you access to everything we have for MLB DFS for only $1. This offer is valid through Friday, August the 5th. So that is this Friday. Pete, I can't believe it's right August. Like, July just felt like it. Like, I felt like it was July 4th, like a week ago. I know it's crazy. Summer's just disappearing. Time is flying. And uh, yeah, I haven't really done anything much this summer. So we got to change that. Yeah, and by the way, you got to check out everything we have going on for MLB DFS. When I am playing MLB DFS, because it's one of those sports that I, if I can't be around for live before lock and deeper dive, I typically don't play MLB DFS. But you got to check out all the great uh, tools and data we have over there at stochastic.com. A top stacks tool is obviously a, a big uh, tool for me, figuring out which stacks I want to play and, uh, you know, developing my, my cash lineups. You know, you know, I like playing a little cash to build that bankroll up over there, whether we're talking about our draft. Kings or over on Fandle. Let's move over to the co-main event of this fight card. It's a, fight, a matchup that I absolutely love. Welterweight matchup between Vicente Luque 
and Jeff Neal. 8,500 for Vicente Luque, 7,700 for Jeff Neal. Uh, look at the tail of the tape on this one. Uh, both have the same exact height. Uh, a one-inch reach advantage for Vicente Luque. Of course, Luque coming off that loss against Bilal Muhammad, which I think kind of comes into. It'll be interesting to see, does Jeff Neal try to incorporate a similar game plan to what Bilal Muhammad did back earlier this year? Yeah, I mean, he has the coaching staff to come up with a great strategy, and that's why I am going to include Jeff Neal in my player pool. Um, I would say a couple of years ago, you can make a more more of a case for Jeff Neal because he was the hot commodity within the UFC, and uh, he has excellent punching power. So Vicente Luque, despite being a fantastic fighter and despite being a fantastic, uh, fantastic striker, he's taken a lot of damage throughout his career, too. He's been in a lot of wars. And when a fighter is willing to engage in a war, you have to worry about their durability. But I can't knock Vicente Luque and not knock Jeff Neal for his war against, you know, Nico Price. That was a crazy fight in itself. So um, I view this fight where it's a high level fight. And I always say prioritize main event, co-main event underdogs. Jeff Neal's going to be on the underdog in the underdog pool. But I, I do foresee Vicente Luque getting his hand raised. I think he has more ways to win. Um, you know, it's just a matter of if he's a shell of himself now or if he's potentially exposed. But in a striking matchup, the volume favors Vicente Luque slightly. They're both pretty hittable. Um, and it comes down to the durability. So I'm looking at the salaries. I agree with it. I think it's kind of right where it needs to be. And uh, as an underdog at 7,700, Jeff Neal should be included because of, you know, him having a correct strategy, mixing in some takedowns with some big shots could influence the judges. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be neutral to it. I'm going to see how ownership comes out. I'm picking Vicente Luque to win a fight. But like I said, Neil might be one of my most uh, exposed underdogs on the slate. Yeah, I mean, look at Vicente Luque. I mean, you know, one of the questions that I think I have is whether or not he might utilize his own graph. We really haven't seen it in a while uh, with him. And, and thinking about, you know, that that DFS, you know, ceiling for him, you know, I, I think this is a fight that's likely going to play out over 15 minutes, which, um, you know, over the prize pick side of the equation, Vicente Luque, I'm looking at those props over him, particularly significant strikes land and fight time. I do like the over 54 and a half on significant strikes landed because I'm thinking this fight's going to hit the third round. I think it's going to play a lot on the feet. So I think that 54 and a half numbers is a great number right now. I think it, you know, that to me is a number I want to play right now. I'm not even trying to wait to see where that number goes. The fight time of 10 minutes. I lean over on that one. It's not a, it's not a strong lean for me this week. Like to me, like I, I love the, the over 30 and a half on Jamal Hill significant strikes. And I really like the over 54 and a half on Vicente Luque. Yeah, I, I don't hate I don't hate that either. Um, I think it's going to be competitive on the feet. It's they're going to bring out a lot of volume, and uh, I think the over on the significant strikes something I'm going to target. Uh, the time as well, but with how how uh, skilled these guys are, a quick finish from either one of them wouldn't necessarily surprise me. So I'd much rather you know target that uh, that significant strike prop. Bro, why do people want to spar you in the chat? I don't get this. I don't. Know. Do they not know what you can do? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's okay. It's like, okay. I'm, they like, they look, must not know I train with heavyweights. It's okay. Don't know you have pillow hands, though, Pete. They got pillow hands, bro. Pete, over there. Pillow hands, Pete. Yeah, there we go. Bro, like, I probably got 75 pounds on Pete. I'm not trying to spar Pete because you know what? You know what's going to happen? He's going to go Bram Moreno on me and just kick me right in the liver, and I'm falling straight to the ground. It happened. And Moreno looked great. I did not expect that to happen. Um, I think that his KO prop was was super crazy. Um, and everybody was on the submission prop or the decision. So that threw threw me for a loop. And it goes to show you that in MMA, anything can happen. I mean, we talk about it every week. I mean, there, there's things that we just we kind of we like. I, I talk to fighters about expectations of fights. And I think like that fight last week, we had an expectation that Bram Randall was going to be able to score the takedown. He didn't score yeah. the takedown. I mean, he was over three in the takedowns. I mean, it's just, that's one of these things where so many various things can happen in a fight where we just don't project. I mean, I mean, look, we, we sat here a week ago. And if I would have said, Pete, a man Nunez is going to score six takedowns. You probably would have said, Jason, you're crazy. Yeah. I think you said I was crazy anyway on, on live for lock. Yeah, of course I did. And <laughs> that was a terrible take on my behalf. And I own it. Okay. Um, All right. But here's the reality. It's going to happen. 
There's going to be a week where me and you're going to have a good little back and forth and I'm going to be completely wrong. You're going to be completely right. It's just this week. It, it was, I was on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just recency bias. I, I, I put too much stock into that against one of the best fighters ever. It was a stupid take. Um, but, but it, it's a natural thing that we all do in evaluating fights though. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's true. And, um, uh, you know, that's why you gotta, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, it's like, I mean, we can relate to Tiago Santos. We have recency bias there. Yes, in a way. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody likes the new shiny toy, right? It's, it's hard to pull out mm-hmm. that old toy and be like, yeah, you know, and, and they, they can they can come from behind or they can defy the odds and pull it off. Um, Tiago Santos is live. It's just, I, I think that outside of a, a Hail Mary shot, Jamal Hill walks through him. Of course, let's get to Pete's favorite fights here. The ultimate fighter finale fights. First up, we got the heavyweight matchup between Zach and Usman. Usman, 7,300, 8,900 for Zach. Uh, I spoke about this on, on shows I, I've done this week so far. When when this season's cast was announced, I had pe- someone in the MMA industry that I highly respect his opinion because when it comes to regional MMA, he just kind of, he, he knows the scene. And he had said to me, he goes, Zach is a guy I circle as a favorite. Now, he's a light heavyweight. He's not really a heavyweight, even though it's a heavyweight matchup. He is a main training partner for Curtis Blaze there at Elevation Fight Team there in Colorado. Huge price tag over on DraftKings for him, 8900 7300 uh, is a return there on Usman. Uh, Zach is now over a two-and-a-half-to-one betting favorite uh, in this one. Yeah, so, um, you know, Zach Palga is interesting. Uh, I don't like the fact that he's a light heavyweight fighting at heavyweight. I think there are going to be certain matchups that are going to become extremely difficult because of the weight disadvantage. Now with that, with that light heavyweight style, the speed and the technical ability of Zach Pauga could end up working in his favor. As long as he's able to, um, you know, kind of just, you know, withstand that first round of Muhammad Usman. I, I do think that Usman's going to wing a big right hand and look to take him down because at distance at range, Zach Palga is too slick. I think he's way too mm-hmm. slick, has so many weapons at his disposal. Um, but again, this could be a live betting situation where round one, Zach Palga does not look like an $8,900 fighter come round two and round three. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. now I understand why he had that price tag. Um, so I, I think that the perception could flip because of Usman's early success. But the later this fight goes, the more I think Zach finds his rhythm and starts to piece Muhammad Usman up. It's just a matter of, you know, comes down to strength and cardio. Muhammad's going to be extremely strong, but Zach training at elevation should work in his favor as the as the fight goes on. In addition to working with Curtis Blades all the time, so I'm going to take uh, Zach Palga. Not going to cross off Muhammad Usman just because of how low level the entire season of the Ultimate Fighter was. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we've seen plenty of better seasons. So an upset would not necessarily surprise me, especially if Usman just lays on him. And on a week like this, you could just have a 60-point fight making into the optimal lineup as a winner. So um, leaning significantly in Zach Palga's uh, favor, but uh, you know, don't cross off Muhammad Usman. And, and look, this is not to come off as disrespective of, of Muhammad Usman. Yeah. And it's just like when we talk about Antonina Shevchenko in comparison to her sister Valentina Shevchenko, there, there is a difference between the brothers here. Um, you know, Usman is a guy that, you know, has been highly touted on the regional scene. And I think part of it was, you know, his body frame that he has. Uh, but I, I think this is a Zach fight. I would expect that after this fight is over, we're going to see Zach go down to light heavyweight. I don't think you're going to see him stay there uh, in the heavyweight division. And then overall prize picks don't really love anything on, on this fight. If I was maybe going to look at anything, maybe look at that under 12 and a half fight times on Zach. Uh, outside of that, I don't really love anything over there on the prize picks uh, side of the equation on this one. Of course, uh, we're here breaking down UFC Vegas 59. I want to let you know about a promo we got going on coming up for the upcoming NFL season. Of course, preseason starts tonight with the Hall of Fame game as Underdog has launched their Puppy 3 Best Ball Contest for the 2022 NFL season. You want to reserve your spot before it fills up quickly with this. We are offering a $1 weekly access to our Best Ball Kit through Sunday, August 7th. That's 
$8.99 off the original weekly prices package includes best ball and season long fantasy football rankings, underdog daily draft rankings, and our best ball stacking guide, cheat sheets, premium articles, and more to activate this offer. Use that promo code puppy three at checkout or simply click the link in the video description below. That's pup promo code puppy three for $1 weekly best ball draft kit access. Do you like, do you like preseason football, Pete? I'm gonna like it tonight when I'm gonna bet on it. So uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if you uh if you saw Dana White the other night and he basically uh basically saying if you're a degenerate gambler, how are you not yeah. betting on Dana White's contender series? And he knows how to cut a promo for his for himself. That was very, very smart, you know. Um, and you use a night like that. Shout out to Billy Goff from Connecticut, um, a friend of a friend, and uh he looked good. He he overcame a lot of adversity within that. And Billy's used to that. I know that's it's he needs to stop being used to that because he keeps (laughs) he's bailing himself out. But props to him, the whole gym, my gym, training partners, coaching staff were all happy for him. So it was really cool to see him get signed. One of the one of the first guys from our area to get signed. So again, shout out to Billy Goff. Yeah, Connor Matthews in our Northeast guy. Unfortunately, yeah. he couldn't get the win. His opponent looked correct. Marshall looked yeah. he just screwed up my parlay. I couldn't believe how good that other kid was. Like, because we know Connor's good, um, gets a lot of finishes, but uh, as far as being tested for 15 minutes, Connor, you know, hasn't really met his adversary that could push him. And he did on, on Tuesday. Yeah, man. It, it was uh, an action packed night. If you missed that, you should go back and, and check out. That was a fun fight, even though it didn't go Connor's way. It was a fun fight, man. He showed some toughness. I mean, he had that Juliana Payne toughness going for him. Some of the some of those shots he was taking, bro. I'm just like, man, is this guy not, I, like I think that was a fight. Dana got up and like walked over to the commission. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and That's uh, what he and, was referencing. And, I, I heard him say that, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. That's the fight he's referencing. Yeah, I remember he got up and I walked and I saw that and I was just like, and then he he mentioned, he said he talked to Herb Dean after it. Yeah. And he's and Herb talked to him. He's like, this is why I didn't stop the fight. He goes, he goes, he was covering up. He was blocking punches. He was firing back punches. He goes, I'm, I'm not going to stop a fight when the fire's doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, so weird, right. It's so weird. And then Derek Lewis gets dropped face plants for a second. Um, and then, you know, when Dan tried to stop it, that was a good call. But the second he, by the time he got to him, he was on his way up. So now it looks like a bad call. You know what I mean? It's a split yeah, second but, in the sport changes everything. Yeah, but man, you just, you can't face plant. I agree. I, I do agree with that. But we, how many times have we seen other refs let that go? Oh, I, I, I like, like, this is like, I brought this up on my show last night. Like if you pulled 10 referees and you said you're in a heavyweight matchup, that's two strikers, one guy face plants. How, how long are you waiting until you come in and stop the fight? I think, it's I, I think a lot of people would do what Big Dan did. I think it's because it's heavyweights. That's that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Like, say Brandon Moreno face plants Kai Car France, or, or they're going to allow them to work back to their feet. It's just how it is. Uh, by the way, I saw someone mention about uh, Orion Koski. I actually interviewed Orion yesterday, uh, and uh, he mentioned the doctor nearly pulled the fight on weigh-in day. Yeah, and, uh, he got to he got to one seventy two and a half, and he said he goes, "I was in a bad place." And it looked and, bad for him too in round two. He looked like he yeah. was going to get knocked the heck out. So yeah, and he said he's like he goes, "The doctor basically told us if we kept trying to cut weight, the doctor was going to pull the fight." Yeah, well, fix that, and then yeah. use your wrestling more. <laughs> but it's also the other side of the sport. We talk about you know the the sportsmanship in this sport and everything. Yeah. The Koskis. And uh, city kickboxing uh, parted together Saturday night. Yeah, he seems like a good guy, man. Like uh, as apologetic as he was for missing weight, I thought that was a very honorable thing to do and to shed some light on his, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people won't own that moment and he did. And I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. Yeah. He had, uh, I thought one of the interesting thing, it kind of made me think about like next time blood diamond fights. Yeah. He said, one of the things they did is, they saw a lot of similar similarities between blood diamond and how Izzy strikes. And they did a lot of comparison contrasting between their two striking styles. Um, so something to kind of pay attention to there. So let's move on to the, let's move on to the next match. Why are you hating on blood diamond? Bro, he's so bad. Dude, here's the problem with that. UFC don't book him against a grappler. Yeah, but they don't care. 
They're not like, going to do. Like, they're not going like, to do Izzy the favor. They should. Yeah, this is like John Phillips back in the day. Why was John Phillips always being booked against a grappler? Listen, if you're if you sign him, you know what you're getting into. So either work with the style and, and try to make some fun fights. Like look at look at Alex Pereira. They didn't give Alex yeah. Pereira like a, a nasty. But uh, granted, he has two wins over Izzy, so that's why they actually give give uh, like him some winnable matchups. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, put him up against a striker. Let's see if Blood Diamond can style on somebody in the striking aspect. Uh, but let's move over to the next Ultimate Fire finale. This will be at 125 pounds. You got Brogan Walker taking on Juliana Miller. Juliana Miller, the slight favorite in this one. She's 8,300, 7,900 for Walker. Walker uh, has is more has more experience. Uh, Juliana mm-hmm. Miller uh, trained there in San Diego at 10th Planet uh, alongside Aline McFarland, Liz Carmouche, among others. Uh, when I spoke to Alima, she told me that she, if she did not have a fight next week, she would actually be in the corner uh, of Juliana Miller. And there's a, a lot of people who kind of like the upside here of Juliana Miller. Yeah. So I love how you, you worded that because I love the upside of Juliana Miller because I think that she has um, a unique skill set. And whenever you have a submission practitioner within women's MMA, I think that they are more alive to pull off upsets, obviously and more alive to really impose their will on their opponents. Now, I do think that she is pretty green in MMA. I, I have to say that. And as far as like the, the ultimate fighters that are, that are the heavyweights, I can actually see foresee Brogan Walker upsetting Juliana Miller more than I can see Muhammad Usman upsetting Zach Palga. So from an ownership standpoint, I'm going to get to Brogan Walker as one of the most exposed underdogs on the slate. However, I do think that it only takes one opportunity for Juliana Miller to really pick up a submission win over Brogan Walker. I, I think that she can take the back, um, look to, to land a takedown. But my issue with this, um, from our odd shopper video to this now, I like the prop bet of Juliana Miller to win via submission. I just wonder if the strength and size of Brogan Walker could lead to a little bit of uh, inefficient takedown attempts. You know what I mean? Like Brogan Walker could just, you know, shrug her off, keep it on the feet. And if it is on the feet, I do think that she is the A side. So uh, split exposure here. Um, I'm going to be picking Juliana Miller, but pretty neutral to ownership. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of. I don't know if this is really a fight in terms of GPPs that I will necessarily target. I might, I might limit it a little bit of exposure on, on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like looking at, at ownership projections right now, I kind of, I kind of like getting, uh, if that number stays where it is, I, I can see myself probably maybe getting a little bit more on the field than Julian Miller, but to me, she's got to be able to impose her grappling. That yeah. to me is, is the key. It, and I like what you said there. This thing stays on the feet. Yeah. I, you know, Brogan uh, to me is the play. I would want to get to a little bit more there. Uh, let's move on to the next matchup. It's a heavyweight matchup. Sergey Spivak taking on Augusto Sakai 8,800 for Sergey Spivak 70. 70- 400 for Augusto Sakai. Of course, Augusto Sakai has been on, on a, a bad winning, a losing streak here, I should say. Uh, he has lost three in a row against Tatu Avasa, Jair Rosenstruck, and Alistair Overeem. Sergey Spivak coming over, coming in off that win against Greg Hardy. This is one of those ones where, I mean, the price tag, Pete, like, got to be careful. That can, Sir, can, can Sergey Spivak? go the takedown city route should he definitely should and that's my problem with this fight i think in a bubble i like sergey spivak in 2022 more than i like augusto sakai Augusto, it's very easy to say that especially because augusto sakai has been knocked out and tko'd in his past three bouts right uh granted it's against big big heavy hitters and fantastic competition alistair overgreen jerzino rosenstrike and tai tuivasa those guys are going to touch you and drop you um as far as takedowns, we did see Alistair Overeem land three of three and have five minutes of control time. And I do think that's a sneaky path to victory for Sergey Spivak. The issue is sometimes when Sergey gets hit, he mentally checks out. And I wonder if Augusto's able to shrug off some of these takedown attempts from being a big guy. What happens to Sergey if he's forced to stand? You know what I mean? He hasn't scored a knockdown in the UFC yet. He's been knocked down in his debut against Walt Harris, uh, knocked down against Tom Aspinall. 
and he just looks a little bit uncomfortable. I do think he's developing. So I'm going to be picking Sergey Spivak here because it's pretty hard for me not to get to a guy that has grappling potential going up against a guy who's been knocked out three times in a row. But Augusto Sakai training an American top team should improve his, uh, he should be a little bit more prepared for this bout. Um, and as long as he's able to keep it on the feet, it's a 50-50 fight. If it's on the feet, it's a 50-50 fight. If it is in a clinch or it hits the mat, then that 8,800 for Sergey Spivak makes a ton of sense. So Augusto Sakai, okay, th- this this week's weird, right? Like normally I plant flags and I'm pretty, I'm pretty vocal of who I really like. And I like some of these matchups a lot, which will, some of them we'll get to. The main event I really like, I, I like Jamal Hill a lot. But this is a sprinkle GPP type of card where volatility is everywhere. And especially in, he- in the heavyweight division, you're not going to talk me off of getting to an underdog Augusto Sakai. But because of what I'm seeing in 2022, I'm picking Sergey Spivak. Uh, and looking over prize picks, seven and a half uh, minutes is the fight time prop on Sergey Spivak. Uh, the one that I would more be looking at is at takedowns one and a half. Yep. So I, I think that may be one to, you know, maybe, maybe if you want to sprinkle in uh, an overplay on that one. Next up, uh, the opening fight of the main card is a female flyweight matchup between Ariel Lipsky and Priscilla Ketchawara. Ketchawara, 7,800. Lipsky, 84. Pete, I mean, this is a fight that should play. I mean, look, this is, you know, this is the, the lower level of the UFC women's flyweight division. This fight is, this card is going to be the death of me. Like uh, I'm having to break this film down and I'm having to like actually make a case for some of the, how about I don't make a case for nobody? How about that? <laughs> but um, you know, like Priscilla Cachoeira is always going to be an underdog. She's always going to be an underdog. And there's a reason why she's an underdog is because Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. She walks forward. She eats a ton of shots. The strikes absorbed numbers are absolutely ridiculous. She absorbs 7.9 strikes per minute. Obviously, a lot of that is overblown because of how many times she's been punched in the face. Gion Kim punched her in the face 170 times, and somehow Priscilla Cachoeira walked away with that victory. Doesn't make much sense to me. Um, Luana Carolina, 111 times punched her in the face. Myla McCann, 107. Valentina Shevchenko. 95 times to two, and it was a second round finish. So like striking defense is non-existent for the zombie girl and hence her nickname. She walks forward. She trusts her chin a little too much. And that trust in in her chin that she has, I think is going to catch up to her. Uh, Ariane Lipsky actually scored two knockdowns in her previous bout against Mandy Baum, one against uh, Isabella de Padua. I think that the, the queen of violence hasn't shown her best stuff inside the UFC. I had a lot more of uh, I, I held her in a, a lot higher regard coming into the UFC. And I thought she'd have a lot more success. She stumbled out of the gate and she's been quite inconsistent. Um, I think she's going to have a more well-rounded game, man, like good kicks, good distance striking, not get lured into the brawl. If she does, then anybody's live to getting knocked out or getting hurt against Priscilla Cachoeira. But like, she's only finished one fighter. Um, she's only knocked down one fighter in the UFC. And that was Shayna Dobson. Um, she got a, a TK over Gina Mazzani, who has that quit in her. So I, I have to pick Ariana Lipsky here. As far as like mixing and matching, will I have some lineups with 7,800 Priscilla Cachoeira? Sure. Will I go over the field and be completely confident? No, I won't. But something that's consistent about MMA DFS is that in women's MMA, the underdogs sometimes sneak their way into the optimal lineup. So don't cross her off despite how bad you want to cross her off. I'm picking Ariana Lipsky and uh, it's a fight. I hate. 
look, it's, uh, you know, this is not my favorite car, but we're here to break this one down for you. Of course, we're sponsored by Prize Picks. They got their daily prop based contest. And be sure to use that promo code Awesome for instant first match positive up to $100 as five player lines can net you up to 10 times your entry fee. Of course, use your knowledge on multiple sources, cross sports entries. Click that link below to head over to pricepicks.com where you can download the Price Picks app in the App Store or on Google Play. I've been mentioned about some of the ones that I like. Uh, you know, to me, my number one play right now is that over 30 and a half on significant strikes for Jamal Hill. Uh, oh, I on Vicente Luque, I like the over 10 minutes fight time. I also like the over 54 and a half significant strikes. And the other one I'll tell you that uh, is one I like is a fight that we haven't talked about yet but it is the under two and a half takedowns on Jason Witt. Yes, I'm with you on that because uh, I, I think that a KO is coming. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's just one of those things of the two. I mean, like, look, if Jason Witt's going to win that fight, he's going to be landing multiple takedowns. But to me, I, I, I definitely prefer to go to the under on that one. I'll tell you, I don't, I'm, I'm not in love with this. But the 20 half significant strike prop on Terrence McKinney is also an interesting one. I want to see where that one goes. That's not one that I would play right now. I would wait to see where that line is on Saturday, because if you want to take the over, I think we might get a better number on Saturday. I, that's, that's so close, right? Because like everything's projecting for a very, very quick finish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you could just take them down and sub them. That's that's a complete possibility as well. So I'm not sure I would be looking at that, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about Terrence McGinney here in a moment. But before we get to him, we've got to go over to our next matchup at 185 pounds. Mihail Olashechuk taking on Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey, 6,900, 9,300 for Olashechuk. Uh, I, I look, he, I don't know how you can roster Sam Alvey. Counter hook. Check hook coming. Oh, seven and one no contest in those last eight fights, Pete. Imagine doing that. Like, imagine losing eight fights and still having a job in the best promotion in the world. He's got some dirt on somebody. This man is still, (laughs) and this man is in the in the UFC. I don't know how he's staying around, or maybe that smile's going a long way. I don't know what the hell his strategy is, but he's he's keeping a job. And it's absolutely crazy. And it seems like the matchmakers are like, let's get rid of this guy. Let's get rid of this guy. I don't know if he took pennies on the dollar when he signed his contract. What happened? But Mikhail Olashechuk is clearly the A side here. I only worry about Alvi just landing a counter hook. It can happen. I, yeah. I think it's like a less than 10% chance happening. Mikhail should go out there and obliterate Sam Alvi any way he chooses to put the pressure on him. Alvi backs himself up against the cage. Um, Man, and, and banks on that power too much. I think Mikhail's going to touch him. He can even take him down if he wants to. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a violent finish for Mikhail Olashechuk. But Sam Alvey does lure his opponents into a slow-paced fight. Mm-hmm. So that is the only worry about that hefty price tag at 9300 That slow-paced fight mixed with Mikhail's crazy pressure fight. I'm interested to see which kind of fight we get, but it should be a Mikhail victory. And I want to see what Olashechuk looks like on the, the scales dropping down to 185 pounds. By the way, Sam, that Jeez. R word, that R word, do not believe that R word. Yeah. Do not believe it. At some point, Pete's going to say that R word to me, and I'm going to go, you're lying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can't. Like, like if I said true, false, Sam Alvey fights Rashad Evans and Eagle FC within the next six months. What are you going? Damn, bro. I think he just came up with a great match. Too bad Rashad. It'd be, it'd be a rematch. Too bad Rashad lost to him already. Yeah. Crazy. June 1, 2018, bro. Last time Sam Alvey won the fight. I think I bet on that fight, too. Pissed me off. That was a split decision win against John Volante, yeah. where Sam Alvey landed 59 total strikes, 53 significant strikes, no takedowns, no knock, and one knockdown. Do you think you might as well sprinkle some money on that split decision line? Because for some reason, these judges, I don't, I really don't understand it. I think he gets finished, but I'm just saying, if you got some, like some silly money, you just want to throw five bucks on something silly split decision might as well. 
But yeah, you, you might as well throw that one out there. Let's move over next up to a lightweight matchup. Terrence McKinney taking on Eric Gonzalez. Terrence McKinney, 9,500, 6,700 for Eric Gonzalez. Uh, now a nine to one betting favorite was as much as a 10 to one betting favorite for Terrence McKee. I had Terrence McKee on my show last week. Ooh. And uh, probably the, the biggest thing, one of the bigger takeaways I took from him was we were talking about perception versus reality. And he said, he goes, he goes, I don't want the perception out there of people thinking I have bad cardio. And he talked about, it's been a, a point of emphasis, you know, of, of working on the cardio uh, has incorporated lifting weights into uh, his training of bulking up a little bit here. Uh, but the one thing he said to me, he goes, I said, what do you want to be known as? He goes, I don't want to be known as a guy who has a great chin. He goes, I want to be known as a guy who finishes fights. Yeah, I mean, I like Terrence McKinney. I really do. And I think that he has some really good wrestling, um, some good power, some submission skills. His wrestling is what's going to separate him from a lot of people within this division, just being able to blend everything together. I have to tell you, though, I think he has poor cardio. I know that he he wants to dispute that and, and say that he doesn't want to be known as that. He could make changes. He could look better than ever. Absolutely. The issue is his pacing. He does not pace himself in a 15-minute 15, manner. He paces himself in a round one manner, which is great for us DFS players. But every, every now and then, you're going to meet your match. And uh, Sean Woodson on a contender series that was, you know, back in 2019, you know, knocked him down despite getting taken down by flying knee. So I can't really hold that against him. He came out really quick finish, seven seconds over Matt Fabola, and then a very dominant performance, two minutes and 11 seconds over Farzim. Throughout his career, you can see he's just a finisher. Like he's he's absolutely justified to be at this price tag against Eric Gonzalez. But, you know, that round one against Drew Dober, he did take some shots too. He, he handed out some crazy, crazy shots to Drew Dober and had him moments, if not seconds from, from being out of there. And uh, landed two takedowns, a knockdown. Looked like he was on his way to exploding with like 140, 150 fantasy points. So I think Terrence McKinney's price tag is completely justified. And it comes down to the rest of the fights on the card. Now, trying to be a fortune teller and predict scores is going to be difficult. Um, I think that from the 9,000 options, he has some of the best quick win bonuses, uh, mm -hmm. you know, quick win odds, uh, best round one odds. It's just the lineup construction. If you don't like underdogs, you're going to find it difficult to get to Terrence McKinney. If you like underdogs, you should prioritize Terrence McKinney. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, look, it's, you know, he, he's a guy, he said, he told me, he goes, I'm not seeking a fight of the night bonus. That's just not my mentality. And he also, I think the other side of this, remember his main training partner, Saeed Yoku, and we saw what he did oh, there against easy. Ronnie Lawrence. You know, they're, they're trained there up in North, in the, in the Northwest together. Yeah. So I that, mean, that is something to, to think about. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you know, Saeed is pushing that cardio on him every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see. I, I I don't think that we saw the best of Eric Gonzalez. Um, anytime you lose to an aging veteran in spectacular fashion, people are going to be hesitant about you. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have a couple shares just because 6,700 is always tempting, but I really think that he's gonna get finished inside of two rounds. Next up, we have got a welterweight match between Brian Battle and Takashi Soto. Battle 8,700, 7,500 for Takashi Soto. And, of course, uh, Brian Battle win that season of the Alton Fighter, and he is moving down to the welterweight division for this one, Pete. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to do this from now on, and uh, I'm going to do a hot take week to week, and uh, I'm going to create a, a group of lineups for my hot take not going to go like hundred percent on it, obviously, because you know, that, that has mixed results. Sometimes it looks, works really well when I have Bill Algeo. it works really poorly when I have Juliana <laughs> Pena. So um, what I will say is hot take of mine is that Takashi Sato upsets Brian battle. I, I think that Brian battle is extremely hittable. I do think that he's good and it's hard to bet against him just because of, he keeps defying the odds. He was not suspected to, win the win the season he, he wasn't he was expected to you know contend and put up some tough fights but you know he's uh he doesn't do anything any one skill in spectacular fashion he's just above average in every in every department and uh being tough and being able to take damage 
can work in your favor, especially if you have better cardio than a lot of people. And uh, if you have more ways to win, you can test people in other areas that they are weak at. I do think that Takashi Sato has a terrible habit of giving up his back, getting taken down, and then getting exposed in the grappling department. On the feet, though, I do think that Brian Battle cutting weight is interesting because you want to know mm-hmm. if it's if he's going to be a shell of himself at a lighter weight class. Does not always translate into instant success. Um, as far as for getting a submission over uh, Takashi Sato, I, I don't think that that is as live as many people are predicting because Gunnar Nelson had his back numerous times and was unable to do so. I'm just going to say that Takashi Sato is one of these guys that's priced at 7,500 that I'm probably going to get more than the field. So that is going to be my hot take of the week. Um, It's a fight in general. I will have plenty of shares. Like I will have plenty of shares of Brian battle because of Sato's uh, lack of defending takedowns and getting ragdolled in his losses. But as far as like underdogs with high high scoring potential i think sato can hurt him on the feet we saw battle get hurt against treshawn gore who has turned out to be an absolute fraud and uh, that blew my mind but yeah so takashi sato 7500 is going to be my lean yeah i mean when you look at the these fires underneath eight thousand, and, and thinking of you know 100 point ceilings takashi sato is one of those ones i look at and say i want to get to him and, and i want to get more than the field currently is yeah. And right. Right now we're, we're projecting at 15%. Yeah. I'm going to get more than 15%. That's what I'm saying. So that's my hot take. It's not like lock the guy in. You can't lock anything in for the most part in MMA, but I'm going to have a lot more than the field and people just look at his box score and it's been, it's been suspect, but I, I think that he can do better than what he's shown. And when you want to get access to all the ownership projections we have, you got to sign up for a Stochastic Plus Platinum Pass, which gives you full access to all the premium content tools. Also, Stochastic.com, including ownership projections, a top fire tool, premium Discord channel, and so much more. We got a deal for you. If you're a new Stochastic Plus user, as you can save 50% off your first week of any Stochastic Plus Pass, these are the tools and data that myself and Pete and everyone here at stochastic.com uses every single day to develop our lineup. So all you got to do to take advantage of this offer is click the link in the video description below to, or you can head over to our join page, use promo code MMA strategy show, all caps, one word That's MMA strategy show for 50% off your first week of any weekly package. So if you just want to play MMA DFS, you can sign up for that stochastic plus MMA weekly pass, get 50% off your first week. Again, this is for new users only. Only. And of course, Fancy Cruncher can easily be added to your account. And of course, uh, I'll be you know putting those groups in Fancy Cruncher, and uh, when you use that promo code MMA Strategy Show, you're helping out you guys over here. You're helping yeah, us out over here. Yeah, that's right. You guys enjoy what we're doing. Hit that like button for us. Get us over 150 likes. It tells the channel. It tells the company that you guys appreciate what we do. We appreciate you guys checking us out each and every week. And if you could use that promo code MMA Strategy Show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And of course, sign up for that pass. Get that top fire tool, which is literally the tool is sitting right here on part of my screen here. Uh, looking at here. So next up, we got welterweight matchup. Josh Quinlan taking on Jason Witt. 8,600 for Josh Quinlan. 7,600 for Jason Witt. Uh, unfortunately, I was supposed to talk to Josh, but uh, a little conflict uh, came up there. But uh, of course, this is his first fight uh, since uh, he tested positive for a banned substance. He owned up to it on his Instagram. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, Jason Witt here. We talked to a little bit earlier about over the prize picks props of so that, that two and a half takedowns like in the under there. I mean, look, if Jason Witt's going to pull this one off, but he's, he's got to utilize grappling. Yeah. You're going to need this fight. In my opinion, I, I think you need the winner of this fight because one way or another, you're going to have a crazy score. Uh, if Jason Witt decides to stay and stand and trade with Josh Quinlan. I think he's going to get knocked down. He might have one of the most historical worst, historically worst chins. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way because I'm sure Jason Witt's a really nice guy. He's just taken a lot of damage. So, and, and we're playing the game here. We're playing DFS. And, uh, you know, 
getting knocked out against Takashi Sato, getting knocked out against Matt Semmelsberger, getting knocked out against Phil Rowe, despite having takedown success. Like, that's the thing with him. Like, it's not, oh, yeah, he gets the takedown, then that means he's going to win the fight. At any point, you don't know if any of these shots that land are just going to put him out. This chin is really, really bad. And I do think that if Josh Quinlan has anything, he's got a lot of power. And believe it or not, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well. So I think that he's going to have the, the uh, jiu-jitsu skills to get back to his feet. Um, obviously, I worry about any fighter getting ragdolled. But uh, everything I'm seeing is that Josh Quinlan's a guy that I'm going to be backing. Now, how much does that ban substance popping for PEDs play into his performance throughout his career? That's that little asterisk that we need to put. We don't know, right? Like he could have been using this banned substance throughout his entire career. And that's why he's had so much success. And he's going to come out flat, shell of himself, zero confidence, get ragdolled. I'm not going to make lineups like that. Um, I, I'm going to think that I'm going to take a stand on Josh Quinlan. Um, I think he's in an extremely winnable spot here against a soft chin. So Josh Quinlan is going to be a guy I'm going to be looking at ownership and I'm going to get more exposed. But in general, you need this fight. J Jason Witt has tremendous takedown upside as evidenced against Cole Williams, where he scored 105, and even Brian Barbarena. And guess what? Barbarena just beat Robbie Lawler. So, I mean, that's a pretty big win. 49% Pete. What? That's the ownership right now on, on Josh. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, I, 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 understandable, understandable. But, I mean, look, if you want to put some questions on Josh of, you know, how much did the band substance play into your performance? That's like uh, you, things you don't know. So it's sometimes good to not know a lot about a sport you're betting on, because if you're looking at things for what they are, you're like, this guy has a path to victory. And, you know, and, and you just see that, what, let's call it 15% ownership for Jason Whip. I don't know what it is then you could possibly just say, I'm going to double that. And you have a better chance and more leverage on the field. 8%. Yeah. And I would agree with Sean saying that's awful. That's a ton of ownership for a guy coming off a contender series. Very true. Very, very true. And uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm not going to have, I don't know. We'll have to see what I do, but I, I think that Quinlan is going to get it done. Next up, we got uh, our, our first two fights of the night are both uh, in the women's division. Division. First off, we got a strawweight matchup between Corey McKenna and Miranda Granger. Ninety one hundred for Corey McKenna, seventy one hundred for Miranda Granger. Pete, what's your thoughts? My thoughts are Corey McKenna is supposed to be a, a prospect, and Elise Reed, a fighter that I do not hold in high regard, was able to pull off a victory over her. Granted, it was a split decision victory, but on the feet, McKenna just looked uncomfortable. She did like. She's able to get takedowns. All right. She got three takedowns and had three minutes and 46 seconds of control time. Elise Reed is not really known to of having fantastic takedown defense. Like she has okay takedown defense, but in the in the matchup following, she got ragdolled against Sam Hughes four takedowns en route to a TKO finish in round three. So it's like, who's, who is uh, the fraud in this situation? Is it Corey McKenna? Is it Elise Reed? Uh, it's tough to really tell. Now, with Miranda Granger coming off of a, a long absence due to being pregnant and having a child, her first fight back, it's tough to hop right in and already feel acclimated and being able to pick up a win when you just haven't been active. So I think naturally everybody's going to be flocking towards Corey McKenna because she has takedown upside. My issue here is the size. Like the, the size of Miranda Granger might actually make this very difficult. So I'm going to be more exposed to Granger than I would McKenna doesn't mean I'm picking Granger to win the fight, but as far as like DFS score, she's five foot seven. McKenna's five, three, she has 68 inch reach. McKenna has 58 inch reach. So that's 10 inches and Granger has some sneaky submissions. So uh, give me, I'm going to, I'm going to take Granger more than the field is going to take Granger, but I'm not sure if I'm going to prioritize this fight. That reach advantage, man. That is the thing that sticks up right off the screen. When, when you look at that matchup, yeah. we got one more fight. The first fight of the night, Maria Bueno Silva taking on Stephanie Egger. Silva, A200. Egger is 8,000. Pete, what's your take? Um, my take is th th this card. Jason, I, I need to like go 
go calm down. I need to go meditate after this. This is like the most stressful card I, I, ever. I, I feel like you're you're ready to punch people in the face. And, I'm ready to go you know, do and, something. And Rogers Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Yeah, they're lucky it's the kids' class tonight, so I'm gonna have to to hold that in for tomorrow. Um, but I, I have to tell you that you know Myra Buena Silva has more more skills than Stephanie Egger. My issue with Myra Buena Silva is lackluster volume at times, at times, not all the time. Um, plotting style. So she's extremely hittable and getting controlled on the mat because when she has been taken down, she loses minutes of the fight because she's getting controlled. Stephanie Egger is a great judoka where she's able to, you know, lure her, her opponents into a false sense of security. And then she hits them with beautiful uh, Haragoshi's Uchimata throws. And it really throws off her, her opposition. I'm going to have exposure to Stephanie Edgar as a lot of people are, but I feel like she's bound to get knocked out one of these times. And I know Myra Buena Silva hasn't knocked anybody out in the UFC. I think it's coming, man. I really think it's coming. And I think it might be here because Stephanie Edgar on regional promotion, she was, you know, in route to getting finished. And it was weird. She got, she got hit with a ton of shots. Her mouthpiece went flying. Uh, she was about to get finished. The referee put the mouthpiece back in and reset them. It was it was the strangest thing. So I, I just think that Myra Buena Silva is going to be my lean. But naturally, every single week, I'm going to have, you know, really, really close ownership with that 8,200, 8,000 fight. By the way, FanDuel salaries are now out. Uh, looking at uh, the low-end options, Takashi Soto, $10 uh, sticks out to me. Miranda Granger, $12. I really like that 10-inch reach advantage. Um, but me I mean, too. What, what, what can you expect out of her uh, on the high end? Terrence Kenny, uh, shocker here, $23. Uh, Jamal Hill, $22. Mahal Olashechuk is $21. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like some spots will target, and uh, I will definitely look into that more, more so for, for Saturday's show. But, uh, you know, the McKinney's makes it makes a ton of sense. He has some of the best round one odds. Um, Let's get and as far as, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, and, and as far as like Sean V saying, I agree with him. Silva has a ton of subs, um, and he doesn't think Edgar automatically gets the big edge in the mat. I would agree. The uh, Using her Brazilian jiu-jitsu to get back to her feet, getting that underhook where a lot of fighters are just kind of a fish out of water. Um, and I do think that she is pretty physical. That power that Myra Buena Silva has, I look and I'm like, how has she not knocked anybody out? And she's working out of combat sports academy, you know, dabbling with uh, Kieran Fitzgibbon. So it's like, I think it's coming, man. I, I think a knockout's coming. Of course. So uh, let's get into our straight up fight picks before we answer the super chats and get out of here for this edition of the stochastic.com strategy show. Of course, I come up here later today. You got MLB deeper dive at 5 p.m. each time to get you ready for tonight's MLB slate. Uh, main event, I will go Jamal Hill. Yeah, Jamal Hill. Co main event, Vicente Luque. Luque. Uh, Zach Palga in the, in the uh, heavyweight finale. Yeah, Zach Palga. Uh, I will go Juliana Miller in the female matchup. Oof. Yeah, I'll go Juliana Miller. I hate that. I will go Spivak. Spivak. Lipsky. Lipsky. Olachechuk. Olachechuk. McKinney. McKinney. Uh, this will be one of two dogs for me. Give me Takashi Sato. Ooh, you're doing it with me. All right. I want to see what battle looks like on the scale, too, so it could change okay. a little bit. Yeah, so this is, this is pending, but I'm yeah. still going to say Sato. Uh, I will go Josh Quinlan. Quinlan. Um, I will go my second underdog, Miranda Granger. Okay. I, I, it's more of a DFS play for me, but I, I'm I'm going to pick Corey McKenna to win the fight. And I will go uh, Bueno Silva in the opening fight of the night. Bueno Silva as well. Uh, Sam, uh, his first super chat. Appreciate it, man. Uh, best fighter under 8K. I do, don't really like any really. Yeah, I don't, I, initially, I looked at this card. I'm like, can you imagine building 150 lines for this card? I'm probably going to gonna me, do it. Best fighter, Jeff Neal. Yeah, if pound for pound skill wise, Je Jeff Neal is clearly the the most skilled underdog. Uh, yeah, not even close. Yeah. Uh, Samuel says, "I uh, loving the chime on the best best from the Takedown City Show." Of course, take check out Takedown City over there on the Odd Shopper YouTube channel. A uh, new episodes come out on Wednesday nights. Uh, says, uh, what will the highest parlay plays five to seven? Look, I don't like doing seven leg parlays. Hell no. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, look, look, if you're just, you know, doing a $5 parlay, and you just want to go crazy with it. Okay. But 
That's a lottery I'm, ticket. Yeah. I'm more in, I like three and four parlays. Yeah. I think anything that's kind of my sweet three, spot. Anything more than three, I feel like I get knocked right, like right upside my head. So, uh, and shout out to the the uh, the Odd Shopper video. If you are not checking it out, please do so. Go to our Odd Shopper channel. Shout out to our producer, Tyler, and everybody else behind the scenes. Uh, Tyler's been killing it and put a lot of extra work in. So we appreciate you. Uh, Samuel, he's got uh, his usual super chat. His over-under number here, six and a half. That's a good one. I'm going under. This card smells. It is bad. Yeah, I'll say under. Yeah, I'll say under. <laughs> What's the prop bet of Pete fighting in 2022? I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. TBD. We'll see. TBD. TBD. <laughs> some some uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's you know things can things can come together quickly. You know. Yeah, exactly. You never, you never I, know. I'm training. I'm training like, and I've been for a while too. So it's like I, I'm I don't, I'm not gonna like be Miranda Granger out here where you know you you don't I mean, have a I lot mean, of unknowns. I, I'm in I'm in the gym every single day. I mean, let's just say there has been some times previously where, you know, someone might have texted Pete going, you may able to take a fight in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It can, it, that stuff can happen pretty quickly here. Uh, top two cash. Top two cash for me would be Jamal Hill. Terrence McKinney. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I hate to pick two of the most expensive. Yeah, but it makes fighters, sense though for cash. Yeah. That's what you want, you know? Yeah. Uh, GPPs. I will go fights. I think the Jason Wick Quinlan fight is mm. one of the best for, for GPPs. I will also say the hmm, Myra Buena Silva, Stephanie Edgar one as well. It's just, it's at that sweet spot. The speed back is another one that kind of sticks Ooh, up good to me one. too. Good one. Uh, top two underdogs. Uh, I will go to Kashi Soto and. I want to say Jeff Neal. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Augusta Sakai is right there. That's kind of like my three-headed monster. Um, I don't, I mean, it's, there's very few underdogs that I I don't want any exposure to. Um, Everything else is going to be mixing and matching. Favorite inside distance plays for me would be Terrence McKinney. Yep. Um, And then I would probably go, I want to see what he looks like on the scale. Old Shaychuk. Okay. I, I think Jamal Hill is at an interesting spot too. Yeah. Uh, top leverage play. So as we sit here on a Thursday, I'm looking at it. Um, Juliana Miller, I think, is an interesting leverage play on an ownership aspect. Yep. Um, it's got to be Jason Witt too. Got to be. Yeah. Jason Witt's a good one. Corey McKenna is another good leverage spot too. She's not really getting much ownership. Hmm. Uh, top optimal plays. Uh, top optimal plays. I gotta look at guys who I think are going or fires who I think can go take down city. You know, I mean, I mean, you hate to say it. If Terrence McKinney goes down, that's what he did against Drew Dober. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're gonna get that 130 type of performance out of McKinney if if Gonzalez is able to survive. Yeah. Um, top dart plays for me. Um, McKenna, Sato. Those will be my two. Yeah. Uh, Sam says Neil or Sato, who will score more on DraftKings? I think Neil is more alive to win a a decision, whereas Sato, I don't know if he can be the better minute winner against Brian Battle because Battle has good volume and uh, will push a pace, especially if he's down. We saw that in Treshawn Gore when he was met with adversity. I think Neil could could squeak out a decision. Yeah. I I feel like if it's a cash game, I would go Neil. Yes. If it was GPP, I go Sato. Agree with that. Just just in, in kind of and, and, and look, it, it always comes down to what type of what type of game are you playing? You know, cash, GPP, large field, small field, you know, things along those lines. Yes, sir. Those are always those are always kind of things that uh, I'm thinking of there. But uh, that is gonna wrap it up for this edition of the stochastic.com MA Strategy Show. Appreciate everyone checking out the show. If you happen to be listening to us on the podcasting platforms, 
give us that five-star rating and review. That really does help us out a lot as well. So we'll be back on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Hopefully everyone has a great afternoon, and we will talk to you on Saturday right here on Sotastic.com. Have a good day, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We all love the low country lifestyle, which is why we should do our best to protect it. To get insurance that helps you protect your home from whatever the low country throws at you, contact C.T. Lowndes & Company today. Their local agents can review your coverage to help make sure you're properly protected. C.T. Lowndes & Company has been helping protect and insuring the low country since 1850. Visit ctlowndes.com to learn more and request a quote. That's ctlowndes.com.